You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. How's everybody doing today? Man, I believe that the Lord is in this place and that he is wanting to do something in our hearts and lives today. Um, It is such an honor to be back in person with you all this week. We missed you. Um, My family and I missed you guys last week. We were traveling for spring break, and um, we had the the privilege um, last Sunday of going to my home church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the crossing and getting to, um, to worship with some people there and uh, seeing some, some people that remember me from when um, I was a little kid and that were like my kids' church leaders and um, my small group leaders when I was in high school and everything. And, and so many people said, um, we just love your church. We watch online and, um, you know, and like it's crazy to think of someone who invested in me and helped me to become the person that I am today and modeled Jesus for me now has turned around and is, is listening um, to uh, the messages that, um, that I'm preaching and, and is engaging with the church that I'm now leading. It's pretty, pretty uh, surreal how that has come full circle, but uh, we had an incredible trip, and I uh, just want to um, give a shout out to our staff and our, all of our volunteers, um, our servant leaders that helped to lead so well while we were gone, so thank you guys so much for that. Um, it's awesome to be back, and I'm excited about continuing our series today. If you've got your Bible uh, or a smart device, turn with me to the New Testament. Um, we're going to be in the book of First John. This is not to be confused with the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is actually towards the end of the New Testament, and it's the first of three um, letters that John wrote. So First John, and we're going to land in chapter 1 uh, and begin our reading there in, in just a minute. Um, does anybody remember the, the kids' game Simon Says? Everybody played Simon Says? Yeah. One of my favorite games as a little kid, I remember in like preschool and kindergarten, it was like my first taste of competition, you know, which I love. I thrive on. And if you don't believe that, just dare me and I'll prove it to you. I love competition. And Simon Says was, um, it, it, was, it was a way for me to compete against, uh, you know, my fellow classmates and everything. And, and the driving factor behind it all was that if I won a round of Simon Says, then I got to be Simon the next round. And I got to give the instructions and the commands and everything. Like, hashtag goals, right? Like, to be Simon. Like, that's, for a kindergartner, like, that's a big, a big deal. Simon says, in case you're um, unfamiliar, or maybe it's been a while, it's a fairly uh, simple game with a basic premise. Um, Simon, whoever the leader is, gives various commands that are usually um, some sort of physical action, you know, touch your nose, hop on one foot, or whatever. And, and, and those, those playing have to do the things that Simon says. However, you only do them if the phrase starts out with Simon says. Like Simon might say, Simon says, touch your nose, and then you'd have to touch your nose. But if Simon just said, touch your nose, and then you touched your nose, you'd be out. Or if you don't do what Simon says when Simon says to do it, starting the phrase with Simon says, then then you're also, have I totally confused everyone? 
That's a whole lot of, of Simon Says going on there. But, but it's, it's become, it, it's a children's game that, um, that has been popular for, you know, forever. It's, it's been embedded in pop culture. We find references to it in, in music and in, in film and in literature and over and over. And, and while I have no idea when it started... Um, I'm quite sure that it was invented by an adult who somewhere along the way wanted to teach kids the importance of following directions and help them to practice their listening and comprehension skills. And so teenagers, um, Simon says stand up. We're gonna, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, just trying to help some parents out this morning. Amen? Amen? Um, but at the core of the game is a simple theme. It's, it's obedience, obedience. In, in, in other words, the, the way to win or to, to find success is to simply follow the directions. It's, it's to obey. And, and I can't help but wonder how many of us, as we've gotten older, we've, we've forgotten the simple principles that we learned from children's games, like Simon says, all of those many years ago. And instead, we're choosing to live our life on our own terms, based on our own desires, our own rules, our own way. And, and it's got to be super confusing for those outside of the faith, the unbelieving world, when they look at the church and they look at people claiming to follow after Jesus, only their lives look nothing like Jesus himself or the word that he left for us. And they don't see us obeying those things and living by those principles. And, and, and let's make no mistake here this morning. We are all going to obey something. We will all obey something. Robin Sharma says that your daily behavior reveals your deepest beliefs. And, and it's, it's this idea that's connected that, that what we believe determines how we're going to behave. So it's clear that obedience is directly connected to our beliefs. And, and the truth is, is that whatever we choose to obey will directly affect both the direction and the destination of and for our lives. And so the question this morning is simply this, what are we obeying? What are we obeying? Are, are we obeying the, the fleshly desires, the temptations, the, the, the penchant for sin that we have? Or are we obeying God and his word and living our lives in pursuit of that direction? And so today we're in part two of a series called We Need to Talk where we're taking a closer look at the epistle, which is just a fancy uh, word for letter of 1 John from the New Testament. Last week in part one, we talked about the reality of Jesus and the importance of experiencing Christ for ourselves. Because the, the world around us, particularly the, the unbelieving world, what they are looking for is a church full of people that are practicing an authentic faith that has been tried and tested. And, and you and I, we cannot share, those of us who, who claim to believe on Jesus as Lord and Savior, we simply cannot share with others something that we have not experienced for ourselves. 
And so if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel or our podcast and watch and listen um, so that you can catch up with, with where we're at today. But over the next uh, couple weeks, we're, we're going to go through the remainder of this letter of First John, which was likely written to um, the believers making up the churches in the province of Asia. And, and the rest of his letter here in 1 John, it, it serves as a, a litmus test of sorts to help believers determine whether or not they are living out this real, authentic faith that we talked about in part one. And so the, the first of these litmus tests that, that John brings up, it, it, it has to do with, as we've been talking about already this morning, one's obedience, and, and particularly um, how one handles sin, how one handles sin. And so we're going to pick up in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 5. We're going to read for a while. We're going to read to the end of that chapter and spill over into chapter 2 and then read one verse out of uh, chapter 3. So if you've turned there, you've swiped there, um, hopefully you can follow along with me. 1 John chapter 1, beginning with Verse 5, John writes this, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Let me say that one more time. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Verse 3, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, skip over to chapter 3, all the way down to the end, verse 24. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Now, as we talked last week, 
um, John's letter here, it's, it's coming from, this is right before he would have gone to the Isle of Patmos in exile, where he ultimately wrote the Revelation. Um, John is, is getting older in age. He is, um, you know, a, a, an, an, an older champion of the faith. He's been around the block. He's, he's seen some things. He's, he's weathered at this moment. And, and as I said last week, like, he, he, he comes off as, as I read his, this letter's a little meandering. It's difficult even to directly outline. And he's kind of, uh, while, while he has some, a, a few uh, common strains of thought, it's, it's a little bit all over the place. But it it's, it's kind of reads like a, like a papaw who has sat down with his, his children and his grandchildren and generations. And he's trying to pass on to them the, the things that, that he has learned for himself. And, and, and at first glance, we think, oh, it's, it's John. It's, it's the, the disciple that Jesus loved. And, you know, he was close to Jesus. And he talks about love and everything. And he just wants to make you feel good. And it's this, it's this older grandpa. And he's like, hey, kids, come close and sit in my lap. And let me just tell you these things to my dear little children. And so you get all like the warm and fuzzy up front and everything and then he's like hey don't sin so it's like he like i want you to feel comfortable and everything and so i'm going to bring you in close and i'm going to i'm going to give you the warm fuzzies and everything and then bam i'm going to hit you with the haymaker right in the gut like that's what first john is all about and so when when uh when we're looking at this and particularly as, as we start to formulate these, these litmus tests, and, and we're going to talk about um, the, the test of, of walking in obedience today, and then we've got two more tests that we're going to look at over the coming weeks. Um, when we're talking about this litmus test of obedience, it, it really depends, it really hinges on what our approach to sin is, that, that whether or not um, we're, we're able to live out or that, that we are living out this real, authentic, tried and tested faith, it comes down to how we approach sin, how we handle sin. And so if you're taking notes this morning, uh, we're going to talk about three approaches to sin. Maybe you want to write this down, three approaches to sin. And our first approach to sin, the, the first approach that, that a lot of people take is Number one, to conceal it. Conceal it. I, I, I think of um, maybe you've had an experience like this. Uh, you wake up one morning um, and, and you're, you're getting ready for school and it's yearbook picture day. And you go and you, you stumble you know, in, in, into the bathroom and you, you wipe the sleep from your eyes to find out that like, the worst has happened. Like overnight, like a unicorn horn has like grown out of your forehead. And so, so um, if, if you're anything like me, and I speak from experience that has happened to me directly, you know, like this is how you're going to be immortalized as a junior in high school for the rest of ever. And you have, you know, uh, Mount Vesuvius, you know, coming off of your noggin and everything. So what do I do? I run into my mom's bathroom. And I start digging frantically through the drawers to find some, some makeup to cover it up. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm secure enough in my manhood to be able to admit that. And, you know, you do your best to, to cover it over. But e even, though, even though it may not show up in the picture, even though others may not be able to see it, it's still there beneath the surface, all you've done is concealed it or covered it up. Or I, I think about that, um, that, that scene from the timeless classic movie, Big Daddy. 
where Sonny has recently inherited this son that, that he, he didn't know that he had, Julian. And, and um, in, in the first night, spending the night with, with Sonny, Julian wets the bed. And, and Sonny, who's played by Adam Sandler, he has no idea how you're supposed to care for a child or anything. And so he walks in and he sees this, this mess all over the sheets and everything. And, and he, he's looking at this little boy with, you know, with wet, wet pajamas and, and stuff. And so he, he's, he's trying to figure out a solution. And he grabs some newspaper and just covers it over and tells him to lay back down. Like, that didn't help the situation. That, that just made it worse because, because it, 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 didn't, it didn't fix anything. Like, he's still, got, he's still got wet pajamas on. There's still a big wet spot on the bed. And he's like, look, I've covered it over. I've taken care of it. You just need to lay back down and go to sleep because I'm tired. Uh, and he goes back in his bed. And, and Julian is laying there, the little boy, and he's, he's thrashing around. And so he's walling around in the pea sheets. And now there's, there's newspaper all over, and it's crinkling, crumpling, and everything. He's making all this noise, and it just gets worse because he didn't address the problem. He just concealed it. He just covered it up. And, and that, that is how a lot of us choose to deal with our sin. We, we just want to cover it up. We don't want to get to, to the root of it. We, we don't want to eradicate it from our lives. We just try to put it out of sight and out of mind and pretend that it's not there. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, um, we read that people who conceal their sin will not prosper. People who conceal their sin will not prosper. I don't know how, how much more direct we can get with that. And, and, and there's, this, there's this progression of, of denial that takes place that, that John alludes to um, in his letter and part of the passage that we just read. And, and the progression of denial when it comes to concealing or covering up our sin is, is, is first we, we say, as a believer... Because this letter is written to believers, it's based on the behavior that John is seeing within the church. We say, oh, when it comes to sin, oh, I would never do that. I would never do those things. John says in verse 6, so, so we are lying in, in verse 6 of chapter 1. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We say first, we say, I, I would never do that. I'm a believer. I'm a Christ follower. I would never continue my life. Living in spiritual darkness. But then that spiritual darkness hangs around. We, we take it a step further for our denial, our, our concealment, our, our cover-up of our sins. It moves from I would never do that to I couldn't ever do that. I could never do that. In verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And, and, and we want to say, but, but wait, I, I, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, I throw some money in the offering. Like, I'm a part of a life group, I'm on a serve team. I, I, I would never do that. I, I couldn't ever do that. But, but yet that sin hangs around, and, and we continue to cover it up, we continue to conceal it, and it continues to grow and fester and, and get, get worse and worse until we get to the place where, where we begin to rationalize and we're justifying the way that we live. And in fact, we start to say, well, I, I have never done that. It, it moves from I wouldn't do that to I couldn't do that to, no, I've never done that. The way that I'm living isn't sin, it's totally okay. It's, it's totally justified. It's totally rational. In verse 10 of, of chapter 1, he says, If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar, 
and showing that his word has no place in our heart. So, so there's, there's some things at stake here. If we choose to live our life this way, there's, there's some things that we're conceding or some things that we're, that we're losing, that we're giving up if we choose to live a life that, that just conceals and covers up sin. And the first one of those is, is the, the loss of the word. We, we lose the word. We just read it in verse 10. It says, if, if we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and we're showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Like, it just, it just exists, but we've never let it to fully penetrate us and, and take root in our life so that we're living in accordance with it. So not only do we lose his word, but, but secondarily, when, when we continue to cover up our sin and, and we try to conceal it, not only do we lose his word, but we lose fellowship with God and with God's people. In verses 6 and 7, it says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, but continue to, to sin and to cover it up and condone it and rationalize and justify. We, we are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, so what happens is, is when we continue to live in sin, when we continue to live in sin, we, we no longer have fellowship with God because that sin cuts us off from, from fellowship with him. And, and we're, we're distancing ourselves from our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We cannot be in right relationship with God or in right relationship with his people because of the sin that we're choosing to cover up. So it's a loss of the word. It's a loss of fellowship with God and his people. And the, the third loss that we experience is a loss of our very own character. It says in, in, in verse 4 of chapter 2, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. We've, we've allowed ourselves to, to, to become a liar. Telling, telling lies leads to one becoming a liar. And, and uh, eventually there's, there's a, a, a flip that, that takes place. When, when, when we choose to tell lies, it, it leads to us becoming a liar. But eventually we're, we're no longer a liar because we've told some lies. We, we instead tell lies because that's who we are. We're a liar. So everything that comes out of our mouth, every, every action, the, the way that we choose to live, it's, it's a complete and total misrepresentation of the truth. And so the, the end result of, of covering up our sins is, is simply that, that we exist as a pretender. That we go through our lives claiming to be a Christ follower. But we're, we're one of those people that, that Paul talks about. That, that we have, we have the, the form of godliness, but we deny its power. We're just an empty shell of what we could be otherwise if we chose to live differently if we chose to handle our sin differently and so first off the the the, the first approach that that we often take toward our sin is to to cover it up to conceal it but there's a second approach that we can take the second approach is that rather than concealing it rather than covering it up that that we can confess it we can confess it uh, the the second part of proverbs 28 uh, 28 13 that I read earlier, it says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but 
if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Those who conceal their sin, those who cover it up, it's going to be no good for them. But, but when we confess those sins, we will receive mercy. Confession is, it's a, it's a lot like letting go of a heavy load and, and letting someone else carry it. I've been um, at 40 years old trying to kind of better my health a little bit. I've been, I've been going to the gym here pretty regularly, even while I'm very proud of myself, even while we were on vacation. I found a gym nearby and, and still went while we were there. You know the best part of the workout? The best part of the workout is when you get to put the weight down. When you're underneath the load of that weight, it's awful. I hate every minute of it. But when you're done, when you get, it, get to put it back in the rack, you get to put the weight back on the shelf, man, how great do you feel? How great do you feel? Whenever you're done carrying the load, that's what confession is like. Many of us, we are walking around beneath these heavy loads. We are bent over. Our backs are killing us because we refuse to let go of the weight of that sin that is crippling our lives. And if we would just confess it, it would be like releasing that burden. It would be like letting go of that weight, putting it back on the rack, letting it get back on the shelf, and we wouldn't have to carry it anymore. Chapter 1, verse 9 of, of 1 John, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That, that word confess right there, it, it, it's more than just to admit. It doesn't mean just like saying that you're a sinner. It, 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 it means to, to say the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin. It's not just, yes, I've done this. It's, yes, I've done this, and here's why that's wrong. Because God, because you said this in your word. Because you said that, that this, is, this is what's wrong with that sin. This is what's wrong with that behavior. This is what's wrong with that attitude. This is what's wrong with that mindset because of what it's doing to me. So it's not just, it's not just this is what I've done, but it's this is what I've done, and here's why that is wrong. Because it's coming into an alignment with what God says about our sin. And so true confession... Is, is not, God, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. Like, that's just the first little piece of it. True confession is inviting the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your life to convict you, to point out specifically the things that you are doing that, that is causing separation between you and God and not allowing you to live the life that he's called you to live. And it's putting a name on it and saying, saying God, I, I, I'm calling this sin exactly what it is. God, I've done this, and I know this is wrong because it says in your word that it's wrong here in, 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 in this passage, and, and it's realizing that this is not the best way for me to live. And so, so if we want to truly confess, we've got to get really honest with God about what's going on in our life. We've got to get really honest with ourselves about what we've been doing and, and the things that we've been trying to cover up. And, and maybe even in some instances, we've got to get honest with some other people. 
Because not only have we sinned against God, have we sinned against ourselves, we, we've sinned against some other people as well. And so we got to get really honest if we're going to confess, if we're going to get that out in the open so that we can let go of that burden and lay it down so that we can put the weight back on the rack and let someone else deal with it. 1 John 2, one through one and, uh, verses 1 and 2, he says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sin of the world. So, so Jesus here, the, the good news, the hope that we have is that even though, even though John says, I, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, you're, you're not supposed to live your lives this way. You're not supposed to continue in this kind of behavior, in this kind of lifestyle and just gloss it over and cover it up. You're supposed to live above sin, but in the event you do slip and fall into sin, the hope that we have is Jesus, who is both the advocate and the, the uh, where some translations talk about the, the sacrifice, others would say the, uh, a fancy word that's the propitiation. He is the advocate and the propitiation of our sin. This is Jesus is, is the salvation of sin through the satisfaction of God's holy law. God's holy law requires that there be a sacrifice, that there be a blood covering for the sin of people. And, and where back in the Old Testament, we, we used to have to come and, and, and sacrifice bulls and, and goats and, and rams. Jesus stepped in and on the cross, he became the final sacrifice. Thank God that y'all aren't bringing me pigeons and goats and sheep. I, I don't want to do that. That's weird and gross. Thank God that he sent his son Jesus to be that sacrifice for us. Jesus is the, propitia the propitiation. He is, he is the atoning sacrifice for the sin of the world collectively. That because of the death of Christ, his blood is able to cover the sin of all of humanity. Past, present, and future. But Jesus is, he, he, even though he's the propitiation for the sin of the world, he is the advocate for those who believe in him as Lord and Savior. Just because his, his blood is able to cover the sin of the world, if you don't put your faith in him as Lord and Savior, then his blood falls short. It's, it's dependent upon our, our belief in him. It is, it is able, but only for those of us who believe. And when we believe, when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him as Savior, then he, he becomes the advocate for us. And, and, and that's kind of like, I, I think of like law and order. You know, like the courtroom drama scene. Because chapter 2, verse 1, it says that, that he's the advocate that pleads our case to the Father. It's connected to verse or, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that, that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, that it, it, if you can picture like this courtroom drama playing out, like when the prosecution, who is Satan, accuses us 
of wrongdoing and asks the court, asks the jury to sentence us to death. Jesus stands up on our behalf and says, um, your honor, I object. And he, he, he presents the evidence of the cross. He says, he says look, at, look at my hands and my feet and my side that were pierced. Look, look at the work that I have done, the, the blood that I have shed to cover up the sin of this person who has put their faith and their hope and their trust in me. And when the Father looks at us through the lens of the blood of Jesus, he can see no sin because his blood washes us white as snow. Any transgression that we have ever committed it's it's gone it's blotted out it is wiped away because of the work of jesus and so when satan points his finger at us and, and he wants to talk about all the things that we've done in our past all the ways that we've fallen short jesus just points his finger at the cross and says my grace is sufficient so there cannot be any charge laid on us his blood was shed for our acquittal, for our acquittal, if we'll just confess, we'll just confess. First way we handle our sin, the first approach to sin is, is often to conceal it. Secondly, we don't have to live that way. We, we can confess it, but, but number three, maybe the best way that we can approach our sin is to conquer it. It's to conquer it. See, there's this cycle that a lot of times we, we, get, we get stuck in because God's grace and forgiveness is, is so readily available and it's so able for us. We, we oftentimes will get into this cycle of, of we sin and then we confess and we're forgiven. And then we sin and we confess and we're forgiven. And then we sin and we confess and we're forgiven and we're not meant to live this way. When we confess, yes, God is able to forgive, but he does not want us to continue in that pattern of sin. Romans 6 verse 1, should we continue in sin so that grace can abound? No. No, Paul says. We've got to break the cycle. We've got to break the cycle. 1 John 2 1 my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Because of the work of Jesus, we don't have to live in this cycle and pattern of sin. We can break the cycle. John is telling us the expectation is not just that we offer up our sins as, as a confession to God for him to be able to forgive us, which he can. But the expectation is that we get to the place where through Jesus, we rise above it to where that sin doesn't, doesn't lay hold on us anymore, but that we, because of the power of the cross, learn to live in victory over our sins. And the secret, John says, is to walk in the light. The secret is to walk in the light. Verse, verse 7 of First uh, John 1. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, 
then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we're, if we're living in the light, then, then what we've done is we've exposed our sin out in the open. And that gives Jesus' blood the, the, the opportunity to, to cleanse and cover that sin so that we don't have to carry it anymore. That we can lay it down and so it no longer has a hold on us. See, whatever, we, whatever we're willing to expose to the light, it, it no longer has power over us. If left in the dark, it can continue to grow and fester, and it, it, it lives rent-free in our minds, and it's that burden that we continue to carry. But whenever we get it out in the open, it loses its power over us because it allows Jesus' work of the cross to be full and complete. So the question is then, if, if the secret to living victorious and conquering sin in our life, how, how, do, we, how do we do that? If, it, if it's walking in the light, how do we walk in the light? Well, it's, it's twofold. First, we walk in the light through honesty, through honesty. Philippians 1 verse 10, Paul writes this. He says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Now that word pure in, in the Greek, it's a word ilikrines, ilikrines, and it, it literally means sincere is, is, is how, it, how um, the, 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 the actual definition, and, and it, it comes from, uh, from a, a two-word phrase, sine sera, sine sera, which means without wax, without wax. See, back in, back in the Bible times and everything, why, why Paul uses that particular word is because there were those that, that would, would make sculptures out of marble or, uh, you know, various, um, various mediums. And, and they would, uh, it, it was common practice for different sculptors to, uh, if, if there was a chip in the marble or a crack or something, they, they would hide the, the various imperfections with, with wax. Like if, if they made a mistake or, or the marble wasn't pure or whatever, they would, they would put wax in it and they would smooth it over and grind it down so that it, it looked smooth and elegant and beautiful. Then what would happen is, is that they would, they would sell these, these statues and they, the people would put them out on display and everything. And then the, the sun would come out and the sun would start beating down on these statues. And over time, that wax would get pliable and it would melt and it would eventually drip away. And, and all, of the, all of the mistakes and the imperfections and everything were exposed and the, the flaws were revealed. And Paul's saying we, we, we can't live our lives covering things up and, 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 and trying to hide the, the flaw and the imperfection because, because once that stuff gets out in the light, then people are going to see us for who we really are. And so we've got to live honest lives. We've got to present ourselves for, for who we actually are. One of, our, one of our core values here at Christ Walk is, is authenticity. Authenticity is, is our lifestyle. We don't use that as a crutch. But we're also not pretending to be something that we're not. We're not putting on airs like we've got it all together. When, when we're struggling, we're real about the struggle. But we're not, we're not going to allow ourselves to stay in the struggle. Jesus is, is going to accept us how, however we come to him. But he's not going to allow us to stay there. He's going he's gonna to... Help us to grow and become more like him. And, and a, a, as we get stronger and further along in our Christ walk, we, we should look much differently months and years down the road than we did on day one when we first accepted Christ. 
And so we've got to get honest. We've got to stop presenting ourselves as something that we're not and stop trying to, to hide the flaws and the imperfections. Because it's through our brokenness, it's, it's through those, those, those mistakes and, and everything that, that, that we're able to minister to other people. That, that it, it brings other people in because they can see, oh, we, we have something in common. And, and the problem with, with the church today is, is a lot of us, we, we act like we're perfect. We act like that, that you know, we're, we, we were born on third and we, we think we hit a triple. And, and the unbelieving world doesn't want anything to do with that. They want some people that are real. They want some people that, that have said, look, man, like, like, I've been through some stuff. And, and I can show you the scars. I can show you the, the imperfections. I can show you the flaws. But, but, but here, here's the thing. A, 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 a scar, it, it, it's no longer bleeding. Right? It, it's, it's no longer painful. But it tells a story. There was a time in our life where, where, where we were bleeding and where there, where there was pain and there was hurt. But, but because of the work of Jesus, he's healed us. And we can use those places of our lives if we'll live honest and authentic lives before God and before our fellow men. We can use those places to, to bring people into the faith and show them what it means to live out a tried and tested and authentic faith. The first way we conquer our sin is, is to, to be honest. The second way is through obedience. It's through obedience. 1 John 2, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. We should obey. We, we, should, we should pattern our life after the life of Jesus in the principles of his and, and this is a lot like kind of raising a child. The, the, the reasons that, that, that kids obey their parents is, is early on because they have to. Like as a toddler, like they're totally powerless to the authority of their parents. They have to because they, they quickly learn if, if I don't do this, then I'm going to get spanked. And that hurts. It's a discipline thing. Or I'm going to get put in time out. Or, you know, what, I'm not going to get to watch Coco Melon. Or... If you don't know what Coco Melon is, get down on your knees and thank the Lord. <laughs> Early on as believers in Jesus, we, we want to follow all the rules because it's, it's something we think we have to. We think we have to do. And, and, and later, as, you're, as you're, you're raising children, and as I'm finding out, Luke and Avery are now at the age as teenagers that they can, they can make their own decisions. They can choose their own path. And, and, but, but, but they obey because, uh, because they need to. Because they know that if they don't, they're going to get privileges taken away. They're not going to have their phone or they're not going to, you know. And it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a need thing that we go through. And, and so, so we, we, we kind of train. It's like, like, first it's like a slave. Like you do it because you have to. And then it's a need thing. It's like an employee. Like I do this because I need the paycheck. So that's why I'm, I'm in line and that's why I'm following the rules. But eventually we get to the place where we, we obey because we want to. Because we realize that it's what's best for our life. Like somewhere in maybe like our 30s or our 40s, we look back on things and we go, you know what? My parents weren't the idiots that I thought they were. 
They truly wanted what's best for my life. And the reason that they put those guidelines in place, the reason that they, that they demanded and, and expected me to, to do certain things is because they were building some stuff into me. And so we start to obey God's word and his commandments because we realize that it's the best way to live. You can argue with it all, all you want to, but living, living a life in accordance to this word, it is the hands down, it is the best way to live your life. And if we'll live this way, everything's going to turn out. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows. But I just happen to believe that, that if we'll live this way, that we can put our faith and our hope and trust in Jesus and know that because of him, the best is still yet to come. That we don't have to live for second best. We can live for something more if we'll choose to live his way instead of our way. It comes through obedience, living like Jesus did. Following his example of love, 1 John 4, 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. We follow his example of light. 1 John 1, 7, but if we are living in the light as he is in the light. We follow his example of purity, 1 John 3, 3. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. We follow his example of righteousness, 1 John 3, 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. You remember back in the 90s, those bracelets that we used to wear, WWJD, anybody? It was like a craze. Like it started out, you could get them at the Christian bookstore, and then like a month later, they were like at the, the checkout of every gas station in America, you know? And they came in every color, and it was inspired from, from a book in, that was written in the late 1800s by Charles Sheldon called In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? Later became a craze of 1990s youth groups. And it may seem kind of cheesy, but I think that's the best rule to live by. When it comes to conquering sin, ask, what would Jesus do? And then whatever the answer is, do that. It's the best I got for you this morning. I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man. And I, I believe that, that often the truths of God's word are very simple. We just make it out to be something more difficult than it has to be. Because we want to live our way instead of living his way. Here's the good news. 1 John 3, 24. Those who obey God's commandment to remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. It's more than just Simon says. It's more than just doing things because we have to or we need to. It's, it's choosing to live his way because we are, we are being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. See, we, we obey God's commandments not by imitation, but by incarnation. It's, it's, we, we don't just mimic what Jesus did. We allow the spirit of Jesus to come in and take over our life so that we have no choice but to live in righteousness. 
wherever there's an area of disobedience to God and to his word that, that is evident in our life, that's simply an area that we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to come and take over. Again, I'm a simple man, but I think that today's message could just be summed up with the words of a song I sang in kids' church over 30 years ago. It says, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly as the Lord commands and doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately joy you will receive because obedience is the very best way to show that you believe we want to live pure we want to live clean we want to do our best sweetly submitting to authority and leaving to God the rest walking in the light keeping our attitudes right on the narrow way for if we believe the word we receive we always will obey now spell it O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. We're all going to obey something. What we choose to obey has a direct impact on the direction and the destination of our lives. As the band comes to lead us in worship, as we close out this service this morning, I just want to do something that we've held off from doing for you know some time in a lot of in a lot of ways, and the Lord's really convicted me about it. And uh, I want to start closing the service this way. We're going to open up these altars for you to come forward and receive prayer or just kind of spend some time as you need to. Maybe you need to, to surrender your life to Jesus fully today and, and say, I'm, I'm done living my own life, my own way. I, I'm going to start living in obedience to, to you and your word. Or, or maybe, maybe you need to come forward and, and receive prayer because you're, you're tired of covering up your sin. And you you've got some stuff that you need to confess to God and, and you need to lay down that burden and quit carrying around that weight. Or, or maybe maybe this morning you, 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 need, to, you need to just believe God. You're, you're believing God for a fresh empowering of his Holy Spirit in your life so that you can live uh, rising above sin, so that you can live conquering and, and victorious over the sin of your, in, in your life. Or maybe you're just simply facing an area of difficulty that you need God to move in. Maybe it's something else, whatever it is. I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray for you. There, there, there are people here, our, our, our elders and, and some of our leaders, our section hosts, they, they wanna come and they wanna lay hands on you. And they wanna believe along with you for God to move in your life. So just a moment, we're gonna stand, the band's gonna sing. And then there's no expectation. You just to follow the leading of the, of the Lord. That's the only expectation. And if you feel the Holy Spirit urging you to move, then I invite you to step out, come forward. You can stand, you can kneel.
however it is that you're comfortable and receive prayer. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.